I think um, I think I'd like to talk a little bit about awareness to start. Um, I said sort of casually when we took our non-break break um, that being present, being aware, doesn't preclude you doesn't preclude you doing anything. Right? You can. Uh, be present and engage in any kind of activity. Awareness uh, isn't something that uh, is only accessible when you're meditating, sitting in some special position, closing your eyes and uh, feeling your breathing. I felt like uh, the other week when we were uh, Eugene and I were responding to that question about um, seeing. So he was asking about how do we practice with seeing. And I thought that led into an interesting discussion that we kind of only began. So awareness uh, is something we say we're cultivating, but awareness is here. It's... Uh, It's basic to what we are, to who we are. It's here all the time, even when we're not aware of it. So it's awareness that allows you to hear the sound of my voice. You don't need to do anything in particular to hear my voice. It's more a receptive process. You don't even particularly need to receive it. You you just hear it. My voice is arising in your awareness as I speak. And the same is true for seeing. This room and all the people in it, this is arising in our awareness. This really can mess with your um, idea of inside and outside. You think of inside as inside of this skin barrier, and outside as everything happening out there. But what does it mean that all of this is arising within awareness? Don't think about that too much. (laughs) But maybe you can get a little bit of a feel for it just right now. Same is true for all of the sensations in your body. I say, feel your feet. That's accessible to you, probably. So there's this awareness, which is so fundamental to what we are as human beings. It's our nature. It's our birthright. It's not something we have to go out and get. You already have it. We all have it. And you're not going to get more of it. 
we always want to get more of something. That's you know? our conditioning. And we often approach meditation that way. I need to get more awareness. Awareness is vast. But we don't notice it. It's not something we're conscious of a lot of the time. Mostly because it hasn't been uh, pointed out to us, or it's not something that has been given the kind of value in our society. We learn to value all kinds of uh, material things, all kinds of status and accomplishment, achievement, uh, technology. But this awareness that we have is something that we've ignored generally. Yeah, of course I'm aware. Yeah. What's the big deal? Part of meditation practice, a big part of it, <clears throat> is an investigation of this simple awareness that we all possess, that we, that we are. Because although I may say it's vast, and you may feel it as I talk about, well, all of this is arising in the visual field. All sound is arising spontaneously in the field of awareness. Yeah, that's vast. All of this, this is vast. But we don't have an awareness of that a lot of the time because um, we can't stay still long enough to notice it. Our mind, our thinking mind is spinning rapidly most of the time, just like going. And so we're uh, constantly being pulled out of this presence, which we may feel for a moment. It, it happens for all of us spontaneously, often in, like, in nature or in some, some beautiful location where you, wow. And all of a sudden, there's a sense of vastness, of incredible spaciousness. Uh, what happened there? Well, the conditions were such that you were able to relax out of this habitually spinning mind, and you took in the amazing reality that was present. Usually what we do with that is we say, that experience was dependent on that location. I need to just get a lot more of that location, and then I'll be cool. And so we spend a lot of time organizing it. Okay, this weekend I'm going to go for this hike, and I'll get to the top of that mountain, and then I'll get that great feeling. And, then I, yeah. and that's great. I'm not knocking doing those things. It's beautiful. But the interesting thing is, for me, one of the interesting things is that that uh, experience that you had at, that, at the beach or in the mountains, wherever, 
that's accessible anywhere. The question is, how is that? So we have this, um, I, sometimes I think of our, our thinking mind as like a tornado. It's just, we get sucked into it and it's just, ooh, we kind of spin. So often we're not here long enough to notice the vast uh, nature of awareness that is what we are. So a lot of what practice is about is about uh, learning how to be here in a sustained way, not just for a fraction of a second. So we practice with the breathing, which is something so basic, so simple. Just letting our awareness be with the breathing. This awareness, which is the same vast awareness that I'm talking about, in a very simple way, we're feeling our breathing. In-breath and in out-breath. We feel it for a few moments, maybe a few breaths, and then the mind wanders off. And we come back gently. Again and again, coming back again and again. And doing this creates another kind of momentum. Instead of the momentum of the mind spinning, always looking for the next thing, worrying, preoccupied, uh, trying to figure out how I'm going to get what I need, how I'm going to get rid of these situations that I don't like, how I'm going to fix all of my relationships and all of my own problems, how I'm going to improve myself and become the better me, the new and improved me, all the things that occupy our minds. That's a, a habit we've cultivated. If you go in for some of the Buddhist cosmology, maybe for lifetimes upon lifetimes. But at least for our lifetime, we've really cultivated this, being up here. In coming back again and again to the breath, something so simple, coming back again and again to the body, we learn how to move out of this spinning realm into this. Can you see that movement? It's, sometimes it's easier to do these things, gesture these things physically. Instead of being like this, we move here. Th- this might still be spinning, but that's not really where I'm living right now. And it's like the chop on the surface of the ocean. The chop may be there, but if you go down about 10 feet, there's stillness. As we do this more and more, coming back again and again, getting distracted, coming back, this stream develops, a stream of presentness, a stream of wakefulness in the present moment. These moments of being here start to connect. What are at first very short moments, they start to connect 
as they connect, it's amazing what seemed like these momentary awarenesses. Oh, here I am. It's like we wake up out of the tornado. Here I am. And then all of a sudden, oh, here I am. How did I get over here? These momentary, uh, these moments of waking up that we have. Rather than that, there's this opening of a field of presence, of awareness which was here all the time. It's just that we were not noticing it. Do you sense that? It's not that this appears from somewhere. It's always here. It's just that we're usually too distracted to notice it. Being caught up in in the, um, what I call habitual mind or this kind of thinking mind is not restful. This little mind is never satisfied. I know mine's not. Actually, for moments, it'll be satisfied for a, few, a little short periods of time. But there's often a movement towards or away. reaching for something that I need to be happy. Like I said before, something I need to fix in order for things to be okay. It's not restful. But not living there, living here in this field of uh, awareness, of presence, is inherently restful. Usually we're looking for some thing that when we have it, whether it's a person, a relationship, a situation, a material object, that thing, some thing will give us rest. There is no thing that will ever provide this deep, lasting rest, peace. It's not in the nature of things And this is something you can like look into and investigate for yourself. You see if it's true. Of course, don't take my word for it. I'm just up here spouting stuff. But that's, of course, the invitation is to say, oh, I'm going to check that out. So this rest, this awareness, is not in itself a thing. If you look for it, you can't find it. It's invisible. These may be some of the reasons why we haven't paid attention to it. It's invisible. And yet, it's allowing everything to be here. It's the, I almost said the base, but it's, that makes it sound like a thing. But it's what allows all of this to be, to be known. So there's this, in a world in which all things are impermanent, they're coming and going, they're changing, they're not subject to our control, and that includes situations and people and everything else. The only true rest is a rest that's not dependent on any of that. 
Awareness is what's aware of all of this, coming and going, rising and passing, changing, morphing, being born and dying. It's what knows birth and death and itself is not dying. It's not born and it doesn't die. So it's, you're not, it's not resting on something. It's like resting in the nature of the sky. As clouds move through the sky, all kinds of clouds, storms, weather patterns come and go. Every conceivable kind of weather, weather pattern moves through the sky. But the sky is uh, not affected it's in its nature. Yeah? These all move through. So we're resting in the sky-like nature of mind, which is allowing all of this to arise and unfold. The, the danger of talking that way is it might sound really easy to rest in that. Yeah, but it's not for uh, most of us. We have, we have moments. And as we practice, more and more moments. More and more moments of this. Resting in the awareness that's holding whatever's happening. Whether it's fear Anger, sadness, joy, death, birth. We have moments. And the more we cultivate this simple presence, this coming back, the more these moments connect and the greater the, our, our access to the field becomes. So part of what we're practicing, and we need to kind of practice this, is we're practicing letting things be as they are. We're practicing being in non-manipulation mode. We're practicing this kind of receptive awareness. It's not trying to change the breathing. It's hard to even do that. You sit down and breathe. I'm going to take a deep and slow breath. And I'm going to feel relaxed. I, want to, I don't want my breath to be tight and shallow and erratic. Something that simple takes practice. Oh, how can I let that be as it is? Cultivating a new way, a new habit. And one of the interesting things about this little, uh, what I'm calling the spinning mind you know, the mind that's always moving, always looking for the next best thing, is that I don't think that mind really ever improves that much. 
you know, with our self-improvement kind of society, we're ready for a big project always. I'm going to work on this project of me. You know, a lot of people come to meditation. You know, often they come because there's some suffering in their life. Yeah, how do I cope with it? But a very pervasive uh, disease, I think, in our society is this uh, disease of there's something not quite right with me, there's something wrong with me, and I need to somehow improve, fix that. I need to improve myself in some way. I need the next best version. Uh, when we're in that mind state, that's this thing. Uh, that that guy, for me, seems like a guy. <laughs> so that, that guy, you may think of it as a, whatever you want to think of it. That guy never is going to do it any differently. You know? That's what he knows. He knows trying hard and uh, um, striving. It's like the little, something called the little self. And so the interesting thing about awareness is we're not really, in in meditation practices, we're learning not to play that game. We're not playing the game of, oh, there's something wrong with me. How do I fix that? Because that's an endless journey. You're going to fix this fundamental thing that's wrong with you. It's not even true, first of all that there's something wrong with you. But the project is to fix that. So rather than being in that, we're opening the field of awareness that holds that. Awareness is aware of that arising. Every belief that you have arises within awareness. Our beliefs shape our reality. A huge part of this cultivation is cultivating uh, awareness in a way so that it can be steady enough to really observe what's arising in our mind and body as it's arising so that we're not caught in it. We're not um, run by it. We're not a slave to it, whatever it is. Whether it's a thought that plagues you incessantly, whether it's an emotion that you're terrified of, Whatever it is, you know, we're, generally we're, we're terrified of ourselves. There's a lot of places in here we don't want to go. A lot of bad neighborhoods. That's why sitting down and looking into your own experience is not a, it's not for the faint of heart. This is serious business. It's intense to really look. And luckily, we have this awareness. Because this awareness can hold anything. How does that look? Awareness can hold a belief. It can know this is a belief that's arising in this moment. And as it gets used to seeing that belief again and again, the belief in the belief starts to weaken. You see how when it arises, 
it dictates your reality for a period of time. These people are smarter than me. That determines your reality for a period of time. It, it even probably determines how you, uh, your body looks. You have a different posture. You maybe act differently. It's like being a different person for a little while. So, uh, so awareness knows, it, it gets used to witnessing this whole process. Yeah? And it starts to get wise to it. One quality of this awareness is it's amazingly intelligent, much more intelligent than we are, yeah. than our figuring it out mind is. We have access to an intelligence that's so much vaster than that. Yeah. So we're letting this natural intelligence go to work for us. It can know um, I'll give a couple examples. So I've given a couple examples about, about belief, and I invite you in your life over the next week or two weeks or whatever, and we can check in about it the next time I'm here, to really take a look at how the beliefs that are arising for you, first of all, noticing what some of your top 10 are, and how they're shaping your reality. They're quite arbitrary, actually that those are the ones you have. You know, they're due to your, uh, your conditioning, your childhood, uh, how you responded to the conditions you found yourself in. You know, you're doing the best you could, trying to make sense of what was, you know, what is a fairly crazy world. You know, kids make sense of it in strange ways, you know, very creative ways sometimes. That's often where some of our really core beliefs were formed. And they continue to shape reality. It doesn't have to be that way. But it, uh, there's some work to be done. So, I, as I said, I invite you over the course of this week to take a look at what some of those are and see if you can just not try to get rid of them. That's usually what we do. How do I stop thinking this? You know? Just be aware of it. It doesn't have to be a problem in itself. You know, oh, this is here. Oh, this is here. You know, natural intelligence will naturally stop believing it if you're really aware of how it's shaping your reality and causing you to suffer. Uh, it's amazing how that works. I don't even know how it works, but it seems to. It's like the natural intelligence won't let you hurt yourself in that way. It, it knows uh, suffering and it, it wants to let go of it. It's like in the, in the, in the uh, traditional text, sometimes they talk about the, the pain of holding a hot coal in your hand if you're holding a hot coal, when you feel the burn of the coal, you let go naturally. You don't need to go through some big uh, philosophical exploration about it. You feel the burn and you naturally let go. So what this awareness allows us to do is feel the burn we're creating for ourselves and to, yeah, it, we don't usually let go all at once. Sometimes that happens, but it's like 
especially with some of these very entrenched things, is letting go. Awareness can hold any emotion that's arising, and it has a transformative capacity with emotions. It's quite remarkable. So, uh, fear, for example, fear is huge, a huge one. It's very scary. We often don't want to be with fear. And yet, uh, so the invitation in practice is to be with what's happening and let awareness hold it. Let it be what it wants to be, just like the breath. You're letting the breath do what it does, right? You're letting your body breathe, which it knows how to do beautifully. Fear knows how to be fearful all by itself. You don't need to help it along any. So when fear rises and play with this, let the fear be big. Notice it. Let it be as big as it wants to be. It doesn't want to fill your body. It doesn't want to fill the room. Okay. Let it fill the room. It's an it's amazing thing to do, actually, to um, not run away from fear. And this is kind of the, the serious business part of practice. That's the invitation, is to, is to face what's happening. To, to be with fear. And what do we notice when that happens? I'll describe an experience I had uh, at one point on, retreat, on a retreat. I was... Um, just doing my daily thing. Uh, I was by myself. And I started to experience this unbelievable fear. It wasn't about anything that I could figure out. It was just this nameless terror. Everything was scary. And, but not in a specific way. Like, I didn't think something was going to come get me in the conscious. I was just like... And because I was in this conscious space around, well, this is what I'm here to do. I'm not going to run off and go meditate in the hall now. You know? I'm going to go meditate. Oh, this is what's happening. It was so interesting to sit with that fear and just sit there and feel it. It was like a demon. And at first, it was everywhere. And it was interesting to kind of say, where is this fear happening? And then I felt it in me, in my body, like uh, almost hard to describe this tremendous fear. And as I felt that in my body, it was really interesting. It was like this. All the fear that was out there, all of a sudden was in here. And the world was not scary anymore. Fear was still here in a huge way, but it was like that projection got pulled back. Fear is is located in you. It's not located in the world. It's happening here. Awareness allows that process to unfold so you can feel that. Oh, and you know, it wasn't so bad once it was here. 
just let it be, let it, the twisting happen, let that whole process unfold. Uh, and interestingly, after a while, it transformed into this uh, like incredible joy. It was like I was laughing at it. Not like, ha, 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 you're, <laughs> you know, but just like it, this incredible joy. So this is true of any, this is like I'm giving this as an example, but it's something interesting to check out with any emotion that you may be feeling. The sadness, uh, joy. Loneliness. Uh, when I, I was sitting a, a lot of uh, retreats at one point in my 20s, and uh, I think my grandparents were getting a little concerned about me. You know, they were, I think they kind of understood, but they also were a little worried. What's this going to lead to? You're kind of leaving all those uh, things you were doing before that seemed like you were doing something worthwhile. And, and my grandmother asked me, and this was really interesting to me, and I found it amusing that she said, well, how long will you be retreating? <laughs> it was like, it was so telling, you know? Like, that was her image of what I was doing, like running away from the world to sit in some idyllic place by myself resting in bliss or something. I don't know what she imagined. Just relaxing. Uh, And I'm bringing that up because I see this practice as exactly the opposite of that. Uh, in, In a lot of ways, it's a practice of fearlessness. Not the fearlessness of not having any fear, but the fearlessness of, I'm going to really be here and see what happens. I'm not going to run away from myself anymore. I'm not going to run away from those thoughts and those feelings. And I'm not going to run towards some new and improved version of reality. I'm not going to run anywhere.
So I, I think I ran out of things to say for now. Uh, we have time for some, some questions and comments, uh, reflections. Could be about something I said, or could be just about your practice. Uh, let's let's open open it up. Yeah, thanks. Um, yes. Um, so recently, another teacher he said it. He said that um, he defines awareness as something that's happening constantly, mm-hmm. and we can't turn it off even if we want to. Mm-hmm. And mindfulness is this act of paying attention, mm-hmm. which demands Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Before that, I always thought the two were totally, two terms were totally interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you're on kind of a similar tangent, a similar uh, wavelength. Did you say tangent? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, I'm just teasing. <laughs> a similar wavelength as which version? Some intention. Let's just say that the awareness is here all the time, and uh, being aware of it is the practice. So that does that require some intention? Yeah. Uh, it requires a moment of intention, but it may last for a while without intention. It requires a kind of remembering. And as we practice remembering, like you're lost in thought and you're you're sitting and you remember, oh yeah, I'm meditating. I'm not in Cleveland. (laughs) You know? And then so you remember, oh yeah, and then you come back. The more moments of remembering like that you have, the more you will have. That's what cultivation does. That's you're you're planting these seeds of remembering. So the more you practice this coming back, the more you will remember to come back in general. It has a momentum to it like that. Do you decide to remember when you remember? Is that a volitional act? Not always. Yeah? Often it's just like, oh yeah. Well, who remembered that? That's kind of mysterious. You know? I'm sure in the Abhidhamma and Buddhist psychology they've mapped that out, but I, you know, I don't know about that. But, so that's interesting to me. We cultivate this, this habit of presence, this habit of remembering, and it just starts to happen more and more on its own. And so at first it may feel very effortful, and after a while it may feel like uh, you're just being carried by a stream. You're not really... It's just like, oh, there's this flow, this, this um, momentum of the being here. And then the being here starts to happen more than the being there. But I digress a little. Is that helpful? Uh, Ponder it a while. Ponder it a while. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yes. Um, I kind of like to hear stories. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you're a little bit new to us, um, could you sort of 
tell a little bit about maybe how you came to the Dharma? Or I'm also curious, are, have there been times in your life where you thought, oh, practice is stupid and useless, and why am I doing this? And, and how did you come back to it? Uh, mm -hmm. Doubt, that kind of thing. Okay, so the question was, were there times in my life where I felt like practice was stupid and useless? And uh, how did I come back from that kind of doubt? Yeah, yeah, and just sort of how did you come to the Dharma in the first place a little bit too? That, that's kind of a longer story. Yeah, I think I'd rather avoid that one. one. Thing at a time. Yeah, one thing at a time. So I guess, so you, you began by saying you like stories. Yeah. And so was there a story that, that and uh, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, so stories can be really helpful in, in teaching, right? To have an, an illustration that you can kind of relate to. Uh, but I'm also interested in, so you asked that specific question of are there times when I felt like the practice is useless? Or, I'm interested, and I'm happy to respond, but I'm interested a little bit in where it comes from, the question. Like, is that something that you're experiencing at the moment or that you've struggled with a lot? Or? Uh, well, maybe a little at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Doubt. Doubt. And, and what form does the doubt take? Like, what's its. What does it say? Um, I, I thought I was asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> this is called turning the tables. <laughs> you thought you. Uh huh. irritation, um, you know, my life is n not going like I planned, or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> difficulties arise. And, mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, mostly I do, I practice with it and all that, but mm -hmm. I'm just sort of curious. Uh, I like to hear stories about that. Uh-huh, but yeah, well, it's good to normalize it, right? Are you the only one who doubts the efficacy of the practice? Is there anybody else here who's doubted, like thought, what the hell am I doing here anyway on a Sunday night? So take, let's just take a little look. Can you keep your hands up, please, for a moment? So you're, in, you're in good company. I'll put my hand up, too. Yeah. I mean, that's natural. Yeah. Uh, doubt is a part of human experience. And uh, sure, I've experienced it. You know, you're sitting by yourself, and, and sometimes it sucks. You know, you're being with your experience, and sometimes it's so unpleasant. Yeah, so unpleasant. Why am I doing this? Why don't I go? Why don't I go out and watch? Why don't I watch TV? Why am I? Why would I want to feel this? I think we all experience that. Um, so the invitation in practice is always to make, uh, make yourself conscious of the doubting process. Yeah? Doubt is insidious. And it's one of the, it's, in, in Buddhism, it's considered the hardest hindrance to deal with because it masquerades as wisdom. Yeah, it's so reasonable. Yeah? It's like it's, it's M.O. Yeah? Everybody else here they have what it takes, but 
there's something about me somehow that I just don't, you know, I, I never have succeeded at anything. You know, if I look back, did I really succeed at anything? Not really. It, it has that kind of voice. You know? uh, and it's just another mind state. But we don't usually, we're, when doubt arises, we start looking at all the stuff. You know, like, uh, well, I, you know, I meditated every day this week and I was really irritable. <laughs> Must not be working. <laughs> no? uh, so in practice, so one thing is to be aware of doubt, but also in practice it's so important to have a long-term view. It's something we don't have in our society. It's not... Uh, you don't hear these things a lot. We have an instant gratification society. You know, we don't have a practice society. We're, we're, it's not a practice culture, generally, that we come from. In Zen, they have a saying that I really like. They say, never forget the 10,000-year view. It's just like expanding the view a little bit. What we're cultivating, you know, we're infants at it, in a way. Yeah. Even if you've sat a bunch of retreats, it's like, this is serious business. This is a new way, a new way of being. And it's, uh, can you meditate every day and still be irritable during a week? Yeah. Do you make a problem out of that? What do you do with irritability? Can you feel it? Do you make a problem out of it? Do you make a self out of it? I'm so irritable. I'm just an irritable person. You, you just made an identity out of a mind state. And we do this all the time. It wasn't an identity before you did that. It was just a mind state. An impermanent mind state arising in the moment. I'm irritable. Right now I'm just irritable. That's being with things as they are. Usually we think in Buddhism, it's like, if I'm being things what they are, if I'm being with things as they are, I'm going to be really peaceful. I'll be smiling at everybody. I'll just be glowing. Right? <laughs> uh, being things with, as, with things as they are. Being with irritability. Right now I'm just really irritable. What is that like? I'm making space for that. It's that other kind of mind that, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to figure everything out mind that thinks uh, I shouldn't feel irritable. I should be some kind of, you know, I should be, I meditate for Christ's sakes. <laughs> mm-hmm. pardon, pardon me, that just, <laughs> I forgot where I was for a minute. I thought we were just talking together. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> so that's how we create ideal in our mind and then we suffer because we don't live up to that ideal yeah? that's just the construct yeah? the spiritual persona when we can really be with irritability there's a chance there's a chance this is a great paradox of practice there's an incredible freedom in it 
is an option. It's, 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 it is a paradox. When we can really be with sadness, it stops being problematic. When we can really be with fear, that's fearlessness. Good question. And thanks for humoring me in the back and forth. That's, <laughs> appreciate that. I'd like to sit for a, for a minute and just let, uh, let the words settle. been a lot of talking and listening this evening. Awareness is here. We're awake. Notice it, what it feels like to be in your body in this moment. Notice what's happening in your body. Notice what's happening in your mind. Notice what your mind is doing. And for now, letting your body and your mind be as they are. Whatever's happening is fine. Making space for this. <clears throat> 